I think what happens is when we have stress all day, every day, you know, we're literally going from, you know, a work deadline to a fight with my partner to an unpaid bill to a parent I need to care for. And we're not completing stress cycles, we are simmering in stress juices, and we probably have been for the last 10 to 15 years. And that over time causes burnout. So we're going from this kind of fight or flight, um, you know, uh, ability to respond in the short term to a long term just depletion of energy and a kind of total exhaustion of the body on so many levels. And that is the level of burnout. Welcome to Coaching in Focus. I'm Joseph Grek, your host. And in every episode, we are joined by a guest where we discuss a specific area within coaching practice to help you develop your skills and spark some curiosity in relation to the profession. On today's episode, we are kicking off season two of our podcast with Maud Berger-Smith. Maud is a woman's burnout coach, a mother, a wife, a certified ICF coach, and a sex, love, and relationships coach. Maud supports hardworking, weary women who are tired of being tired. She helps women identify and change the cycles of overwhelm and overwork so that they can thrive again, whether it's in relationships, at work and life. And on this episode, we discuss burnout. What is it? How do we know it's happening? And what can we do to help ourselves or our clients who might be experiencing it? I am so well, and I'm so excited and happy to be here with you and with everybody listening in. Oh, thank you, Maud. Thank you, Maud. And we are privileged to have, you know, your your company with us here today. Um, tell us a bit about yourself, Maud. What do you do? Um, so I am a certified sex, love and relationship coach. I've worked in the corporate world for many years. I am married. I have two children and I am based in Cape Town in South Africa. And I work supporting women move from kind of surviving and exhaustion to thriving, whatever that looks like for them in relationships and work in life and in their bodies and sexuality. So the last two aspects are areas that are not typically explored already supported in traditional therapy or even healthcare support. And so it's something that's slightly different about the way that I work and the way that I coach. Mm. And I mean, that's an interesting point around um, how you work. Um, Tell me a little bit more around what type, you mentioned women, what type of clients do you usually work with? Yeah, so I work only with women at this stage, um, mostly in a one-on-one capacity. So I work with women who are usually between the ages of 25 and 50. Um, They're usually working, they're usually high achieving, they're usually juggling a lot of things up in the air and they're feeling pretty tired and exhausted. So we would work on a, in a one-on-one capacity. Um, I have a program called Exhale that is uh, usually over three to four months, uh, which may be extended. And I do a couple of weekend workshops every now and then, evening webinars in a kind of group setting also for women. 
Okay, okay. So quite a variety of things, but very much so focused on supporting women. What made you yes. decide to focus on this area? I was going to say, it's not necessarily just women, it's women who are in this position where they've had or they're kind of, they're working in these high powered roles and perhaps they need some additional support in terms of uh, the areas that you mentioned earlier, you know, resilience or they're feeling burnt out. So perhaps not just about women, but about women who are in a way struggling, mm-hmm, would you say struggling? Mm-hmm. How would you define it? Yeah, I would say struggling. There is a feeling of exhaustion, of weariness, of like um, kind of dragging themselves through the days that I often hear from clients. Um, so it feels like there's a challenge there. There's a pain there of like wanting to keep up, needing to keep up and feeling like they're not able to. And I think there's something around being a woman in a woman's body in this world that's kind of set up as, you know, Western patriarchal capitalist consumer society that is particularly challenging. And so I um, have chosen to kind of specialize and support women because it's, it's something that feels really important for me is to challenge the narrative around what is enough and to support women who feel like they're not enough because the whole system is kind of designed and is thriving off us not feeling enough, right? Then we buy the things and we do the things and we work harder and we, you know, um, escape on Netflix and wine and, you know, whatever it is. And then we're spending money on medical and industries. And so for me, it's kind of almost a little rebellious um, piece of me that enjoys supporting women to feel enough just in themselves. Do you know what I mean? I was going to say you yourself come from that corporate background in a way. So is this something that you've experienced yourself? Yes um, and no. So I think, you know, I've come from a background of high achieving, right? Doing well at school, getting good grades, being the good girl, you know, doing a degree, not just doing a degree, doing an honours, doing a master's, getting a job, you know, earning the money, getting the promotions. Um, and feeling that pressure and, you know, having children and then needing to juggle and feeling that constant not enough. So it's definitely a journey that I know for myself. And I've also had an experience of, of a lot of confidence in myself and being able to step into different pieces of that to question, like, is this actually for me? Is this actually what I want to do? Um, and I've also seen highly successful women around me questioning themselves where I'm just like what you know these are women that are beautiful that are running their own companies they've achieved so much in their lives and they have this feeling of you know sometimes we call it imposter syndrome or we call it um you know perfectionism or we call it overachieving you know whatever labels we put on things like not feeling enough inside um and it's just was like bizarre to me like how can I be looking around at this you know the creme de la creme <laughs> of business and have people doubting themselves like on a really deep level so often and so I feel passionate about flipping that narrative. Let's start focusing a little bit on burnout and we talk about burnout quite a lot um, but what actually is it? I, mean, I feel like it's one of those words that sometimes are quite used in a way um, flippantly sometimes by people. It's Uh, But what is it actually? Yeah, so the word burnout, the term burnout uh, first came into being in 1974 by a gentleman called Herbert Freudenberger, which sounds almost like a a joke name. Um, And burnout is categorized um, as a reaction to kind of prolonged stress. So we've been stressed for a long time. And there's three major components when we talk about burnout. So there's the 
emotional exhaustion, so the, the mm. fatigue of caring a lot for a long time, right? Feeling needed all day, every day, feeling like I've been caring so much for a long time and I'm absolutely just wary of that. Um, there's depersonalization, so a kind of lessening or depletion of empathy for others, right? I have less mm. to give, I have less to feel for other people. Um, mm. And then a decreased sense of accomplishment. So no matter what I do, nothing makes a difference and we start feeling hopeless and kind of despairing. And, and so that's when we talk about burnout, strictly speaking, these, we're talking about these three components to burnout. Okay, okay. And do you find that sometimes clients will, um, will have more of a focus on one of those areas when they talk about feeling burnt out or do you see them interlinked with each other? Yeah, so often the exhaustion, so the emotional exhaustion, you can imagine if somebody, is, especially in this time of COVID, you know, somebody is caring for children, somebody is caring for partners, caring about parents, caring for work, there's a lot of exhaustion around that. Mm. Um, and also the sense of hopelessness, the sense of despair, um, so this decreased sense of accomplishment, like, no matter what I do, I'm never going to get everything done, no matter what I do, I'm never, you know, going to uh, succeed, or, you know, be able to make everybody happy, or whatever it is, so often, you know, one and three are the ones that people talk about most, um, when they come into a coaching session. Yeah, I can also see, though, that aspect around point two, the one around, you know, that perhaps, um, harnessing your own resources for yourself in a way in terms of empathy and uh, your, your own emotional resilience that I can see how that happens sometimes when I'm having a, an exceptionally busy time or I am feeling quite stressed I do you know I do also put certain boundaries in place to help me in a way cope it's like a coping strategy well, I guess if we're always putting strategies in place to make our, ourselves feel feel better, then that's great, right? Then we're self-caring on the constant. And maybe that changes depending on, you know, what day it is or what we have on our plates that week. Um, I often find um, my clients can be really empathetic to others and really caring for others and then highly critical of themselves. And, you know, obviously that's a, that's a human trait. But as you say, can we harness some of that compassion? Can we talk to ourselves as we would do for a friend who's struggling or a friend is having a hard time or a friend who yeah. has a lot on their plate and that can often shift things quite a lot yeah and do you find that your clients will typically notice that burnout so they'll come to you and they'll talk about it or is it that as part of your coaching conversation this tends to emerge um well often they're coming to me because they are exhausted or they feel disconnected from their lives they're not able to be present they're snapping at their children they're feeling frustrated so often they they're coming to me because they intrinsically feel uh burnt out in their bodies right they have a maybe they don't you know check all the boxes or they haven't checked yeah. herbert freudenberger's yeah, yeah. definition but they've got a feeling <laughs> of like i'm at the end of my tether right i can't do this anymore i don't want to live like this um, and then they're they're reaching out for support with that mm, mm. So essentially, they they are noticing things, and that's what then is leading them to come to you. Uh, so, what do you think is the role of the coach in in terms of bringing awareness? So, let's imagine I'm 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 imagining uh, somebody coming in for a coaching session. I work quite a lot with uh, people within organisations, and I can see sometimes in my own clients where somebody might be talking about uh, doing everything really well, or there's imposter syndrome, or um constantly achieving things 
Um, how do you then bring in awareness that that could be getting in somebody's way of well-being? It's mm, a good question. I guess slightly dependent on the client, right? And the relationship that we have with the client. Um, but I would start asking questions around, you know, why is that career progression important? Or maybe, you know, what impacts do you think having that career progression may have? Or um, kind of looking a little bit underneath and more holistically encouraging the client to look at big picture and um, what that may change in their lives or what may be lying underneath the drive for doing more or having more um, and starting those kinds of conversations. So interestingly, as you were talking about that, I had this image, I had this um, image in my mind of somebody coming into a coaching session and they're bringing some examples of their career development, you know, achieving things. And perhaps in a way they've, you know, they've got a torch that is shining just a light on that one particular area. And in that coaching session, we, you know, flick on the switch and all of a sudden we brighten up the whole room. So they don't only just see their career development, but how that might interlink with their family life, with their relationships, with their own emotional well-being. And it's that bringing, you know, that uh, evoking awareness from a bigger much larger scale what do you think does that resonate with you absolutely and um, and I think there's a bigger question here almost of like when a client is bringing something that they want to talk about how does that interrelate to other things right and how do we you know as coaches what is our role in supporting the client do we just help them support you know do we focus with them do we laser focus with them on where they're shining the light or do we pull out and encourage people to have a holistic look at their lives and either is okay, right? Either could be really useful and helpful to a client. Um, and I guess it's in that situation what feels like it's most beneficial for, for that particular individual. Mm. Yeah, I guess to keep on going with the analogy, it's about asking them whether they want to switch that light on. Sometimes people might not be prepared mm. to see the full room uh, mm. and everything that is happening. Then how do you help people who have got, you know, who are feeling burnt out? How do you support them as a coach? Right. So we talk. <laughs> and so through, through questioning, we kind of uncover and unwind some of the patterns, some of the thinking, some of the beliefs that cause burnout. So I, you know, everybody has to be happy with me all of the time. I have to get everything done all of the time. No one can ever be upset with me. I have to be perfect, right? Um, and then what, and then we have a look at what may be underneath and there we, we may feel, we may feel emotions like sadness or anger or fear that are linked together with that thinking. And then we notice our bodies. So what impacts our, 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 on our bodies? You know, are we having, do we have tense muscles? Are we contracted? Do we have a knot in our stomach? Can we bring some relief into that? So we kind of unwind what the reality is for the client and then clients start to try out new thought patterns, create new emotions, you know, invite different sensations into their bodies. And that can often be, you know, an experimental and maybe slightly uncomfortable process and also a lot of fun. Um, and so that would happen over time, you know, so usually I work over three to four months and sometimes even longer than that, sometimes six to eight months. Um, and, uh, and, and so that's how I'd work. Yeah, okay. So would you say that it tends to typically start with examining and kind of really looking into somebody's thought patterns and then moving into feelings, the more somatic side of the coaching process, and then some actions following on from that? Is that a typical structure in a way? 
So usually I would start with a desire, right? So where do we want to go from here? How do we want to, um, uh, what do we want our lives to look like? What do we want ourselves to feel like? How do we want our relationships to be? And then we look at, okay, yes, what are some of the thought patterns that come up when we're looking at that desire, when we're feeling into that desire? Um, what are some of the feelings that are associated with that? Where does that live in the body? So it can go top down or bottom up or, you know, can come in from side to side. And that will depend a little bit on each client's journey with me. Yeah. And do you find that some clients might resonate a little bit more with certain parts of that process? As in, sometimes I find I ask clients um, to picture themselves in that situation um and i asked them you know you know what are some of the thoughts and some clients really even can't remember or really struggle to mm. answer the question they find it quite bizarre as a question in itself whilst other individuals um sometimes find it more difficult to again using language of course but explaining the feelings and where they might feel something do you find do you find it as well in your work hundred percent. And I think our cognitive side is much more developed in, uh -huh. you know, the world that we live in today. You know, obviously we use language, we read and we write, we, you know, 99% of our time we're up in our heads with our thoughts. So often people yeah. are quite experienced at, you know, voicing thoughts um, and a little bit less confident with talking about feelings and less even less confident in like actually feeling the feelings and noticing sensation in the body. So mm -hmm. At the beginning of our coaching time together, I would often, you know, take someone through maybe a body meditation of just like noticing what's in the body right now and growing that practice, because ultimately that's presence, right? Being able to be mm -hmm. here in this moment with this breath in this body and notice what's going on for me is a, mm -hmm. is a massive tool and, and often very foreign to us. So 100% yeah. people resonate with different things, different things come more easily to them. And different things are helpful, right? Some people say, you know, I don't even want to, I can't even set my desire, I can't even think about what I want, because I'm so deep in the shit right here, <laughs> that yeah. I can't, you know, I just need to climb out of this a little bit. Um, and other people are really on board for like, yeah, that's the life I want to create, let's go there, you know, so that that can vary. Mm. So then is it about do do your clients then start practicing new um, thought processes? What, how, how do you, you know, what do they do essentially in order to support themselves when you're not there? In between sessions and after the coaching program yeah yeah so um so there'll often be home play i like to call it because more okay. work <laughs> no one needs and <laughs> <laughs> um, and there'll be um either a journaling question or a point to reflect on or maybe a meditation or a practice that is something for them to take away and implement in their lives that feels good for them that feels supportive mm. in between our sessions Obviously, there's the time that we have together and the notes that come out of that, that people may take away and expand on. And then yeah. there's, you know, the repeated embedding of whatever we are creating, whether that be, you know, creating a new emotion or creating a new thought pattern. And obviously that takes time and it's not like it happens in one session and it's done. Um, yeah. That'll be a lifelong journey. But that's something that we do, you know, talk about mm. and carry from session to session. Mm. It's so important, isn't it, that part? I think sometimes clients um, or us as people, we just want the answer. We just want to, you know, we might try a new yeah. thing pattern once, uh, but it takes time. 
um, I actually heard you talking about, you know, it's like going to the gym. You don't just go once and all of a sudden um, <laughs> you're all, you know, fit. You're all fit and, and never have to go again. <laughs> it, it takes time to build up doesn't it? And it's the same in terms of our own internal states, whether it is our levels of resilience or self-efficacy or the way uh, we work and cope through stressful situations. 100%. And I feel like we don't validate this enough in the personal growth world, right? That yeah. it is actually uncomfortable when we take time to unwind our current thinking and that our brain will raise objections because they'll be like, mm. this is new, this is different. We don't know if you can survive this. And there is definitely a process of like, you know, sitting in the discomfort and doing it anyway. And a lot of people won't, you know, a lot of people will be yeah. like, oh, this is too hard. I'm just going to go back to my yeah. other way of being or thinking or feeling, whatever it is. And like, this is the journey. You know, the, the step that you're going to the gym is, is, yeah. is the first, the first yeah. time at the gym yeah. in you know, the rest of yeah. your life. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Something that I quite like doing with, with clients when we're in that situation. Um, I, I normally ask that you might have done this before I ask them to fold their arms and then I say okay now fold mm -hmm. it the other way around and mm -hmm. how does that feel in comparison you know it's, it's still doable it feels un slightly uncomfortable at first but you know with time most probably if I had to ask you five minutes later to fold your arms you'll go back into your you know the, yeah. the one that you've trained your body for years and years to do yeah um, but yeah. it is doable this way it's just and it takes a bit of time to get into it but once you're into it yeah. you can relax into it yeah yeah I love um, that that's such a great tool yeah I, I really like this idea that um and it, and it comes from the acceptance commitment approach isn't it that's not necessarily about changing um that thought or changing that feeling but it's more around noticing it and being more aware of what's happening in your body, what's happening in your mind. And that gives you the foundation to be, to be able to make that choice. That there's a more of an active choice in there rather than simply these things happening in the background and we're just feeling the effects of it. I think another really helpful thing is when we can, in the coaching program, tie our thoughts and feelings to the reaction and the actions that we take, right? So I, you know, I think this, I feel like this, I have this going on in my body. And so my reaction is I do this. And so then we know, well, if I choose this new thinking or if I can embed that and like practice it, then I can have this other feeling and then I will take other actions. So I literally am creating my life. Um, and that can be really helpful to see. And as you say, it's about then noticing earlier, earlier on um, and catching ourselves in that choice point that we sometimes talk about of mm -hmm. like, now I will choose a different way of being. Now I will choose a different way of thinking. Now I will choose a different action and result. And there's also an element of burnout sometimes that we might not particularly uh, immediately notice as well, the way that it might impact other systems, you know, it might impact uh, family members. Mm. Right, absolutely. So I feel like so the stress hormones obviously whack our body and disrupt so much going on for us, you know, whether it's our digestion, our immune system, our um, libido, our openness to intimacy, when our body is focused on survival, um, which is what happens when we're, you know, in stress situations, when we've got adrenaline and cortisol in our bodies, we're focused on we need to survive. 
So our bodies are, you know, really looking at essential functioning. They're looking at breathing, you know, maintaining a steady heart rate and maintaining temperature. So everything else is kind of shutting down a little bit. So hidden costs of burnout are, you know, autoimmune diseases, there are digestive issues, there are, you know, constant headaches because my jaw is so tight, they're, you know, impacting my desire levels and my openness to intimacy with my partner. So then my, you know, my relationship is suffering, they're impacting the patients that I have with my children and in, you know, with doing homework with them. And so then my family life is suffering, which is then causing more stress and whacking my hormones even more. So, you know, I think um, the long-term and kind of communal effects of burnout that ripple out from one individual are um, huge and, and can be talked about more for sure. Because when we think about burnout, obviously there's a link with stress and there are um, a wide range of different studies that show the impact of long-term stress on our workplaces, on our family systems, on society at large as well. And would you say that burnout is kind of a, a continuation, like a long-term effect in a way of kind of stress? Right. So when we think about stress, like we're saying it now, like it's a bad word, right? Stress is not necessarily bad. Like we can be, you know, we can have the stress of appearing on stage and we can appear on stage and we can love that and like give a great performance and, you know, shake our booties and have a great concert and get applauded and come off and feel like a million dollars. Like that's all cool. So um, I think what happens is when we have stress all day, every day, you know, we're literally going from, you know, a work deadline to a fight with my partner, to an unpaid bill, to a parent I need to care for and we're not completing stress cycles we are simmering in stress juices and we probably have been for the last 10 to 15 years and that over time causes burnout so we're going from this kind of fight or flight um you know uh, ability to respond in the short term to a long-term just depletion of energy and a kind of total exhaustion of the body on so many levels and that is the level of burnout thank you yeah that makes sense Maud. and i was just thinking in relation to today's topic, one thing that we always do on the podcast is I'll ask people for any tips in relation to the area of discussion. So if um, if some of our viewers are perhaps experiencing burnout, um, what is it that they can do in order to support themselves? What could be some tips that you have with regards to that? I think number one, I would share that they are not alone that at the moment there are so many people feeling so exhausted and I know that it can feel really lonely when you're there. So I would send a big virtual hug out to anyone feeling like that and a reassurance that they are not alone. And number two, I would um, encourage them to build in time every day to complete stress cycles. And so we can complete stress cycles through exercise, so moving your body in a way that feels good for you, through connection with human beings that you like, through deep, slow breathing, through affection, whether that is self-touch or patting a dog or a hug with a partner, and through doing creative expression and through laughter. So if we can fit one of those things in for 20 to 30 minutes a day, it will probably make um, a huge difference in the way that we're feeling. Yeah, I fully agree with that as well, Maud. Um, knowing that you're not alone is a good starting point. And also knowing that it is okay to ask for support and that support is out there for, for you um, in order to help you in this situation. Um, so thank you once again, Maud. Um, it is so nice to spend a little bit of time with you talking about such an important topic for us. So um, thank you once again for sparing half an hour of your time.
It has been such a pleasure hanging out with you, Joe. Thank you for having me on here and thank you to everybody who's tuned in. You've been listening to Coaching in Focus, the podcast by Become Coaching and Training. And if you have enjoyed this episode, we would absolutely love it and it would mean a lot to us if you could leave a review. We're available on all the major platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify.